Welcome to The Satisfaction Project, your sex-positive adults-only guide to escorts with Aussie sex worker Georgie Wolfe. This is episode six. Sex is often a tricky topic for everyone, and when it comes to people who are living with chronic illness and disability, shame and stigma can make the conversation even more complicated. This means that clients are sometimes afraid to ask, and workers might worry they're going to screw things up. Luckily, adult star Melina and sexuality occupational therapist Tess DeVez are really good at talking about this stuff, and they're joining me for a chat about disability and where it fits when it comes to sex work. Hey, folks. Hello. <laughs> uh, really good to talk Happy to, to you. Yeah, thank we're you. So it's really exciting. <laughs> I know. We're, we're going to be talking over each other the whole time and it is totally fine. Yeah. I'm super psyched. Um, but before we actually start getting into this stuff, I have to just um, share our standard little disclaimers. Um, firstly, we don't speak for all sex workers or all occupational therapists. This is an opinion-only zone. Second, there's no legal advice here either. So listeners, it's your job to know your local laws and follow them. And last, remember that everyone does things their own way. So no matter what, please follow your sex worker's advice. I've also got a little bit of a disclaimer around language. So just like talking about gender, there's lots of different words we can use around disability. Um, and I've talked with my guests today and asked them what language they'd like me to use but I'm also aware that this language might not be perfect for everyone that's listening. So, you know, I'm trying really hard to make this conversation comfortable for the people I'm with today, and I really hope it is for you too. So <laughs> I guess what I would really like to know from both of you actually, um, you know, tell me a little bit about who you are and what's, what's your backstory? What's your character's backstory? What kind of work do you do and how did you get started in what you do? Um, could, could we start maybe with Melina? I'd love to hear your backstory. I think you need more than half an hour for this one. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard <laughs> to get the full thing. I've uh, I've been in the industry now for about 16 years, um, ranging from modelling and escorting and porn and um, financial domination, basically everything other than stripping. So, yeah, and I battled with a body image, had an accident, before I started in the industry and lost half my body weight and finally decided that I was happy with what I saw. And so I was like, oh, I need some money now. So what can I do? I know I can take my clothes off. So that's how it started. It's not for everybody. I don't, I don't agree with that outset, but um, I've learned so much along the way and, and it's changed my sort of outlook on my own sexuality and how I see others. And, yeah. I love how everyone asks sex workers, like, how did you get started in this job? As though we're all going to give wildly different answers. And, I mean, we all have yeah. different lives, but we all yeah. say, I needed money, it's yeah. a job, so I decided I mean, to take my clothes off. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a totally different outlook that I have now. Like, it's more to improve my sexuality and empower others, whereas when I first started, you know, obviously for the money. But now I've to enjoy it and, you know. It's my life now. <laughs> There's a lot of fringe benefits to just it just being a job. Like it is just a job. But then yeah. I guess this other stuff, right, this this learning and the body stuff, and I'd love to yeah. chat about that as we get into it too. Like um, how about you, Tess? What's your what's your story? How did you arrive at where you're at now? 
<laughs> I'm also going to try very hard to keep this brief. <laughs> uh, so I've been working in the sexuality sector for around a decade, which is actually um, longer than I've been in OT. And I didn't realise that occupational therapy actually included sexuality. And then at uni, when we started studying it, I was like, oh, my God, I can do this as my other job. So uh, I then started working in brain injury, like just neurological rehabilitation, like spinal cord injury and multiple sclerosis and stroke. And I started addressing sexuality with my clients in hospital settings. But I realised that no one else was. I was like, come on, come on. You know, this is a part of people's life. Relationships get impacted. Your sexual function gets impacted. Massive. Yeah. And so then I realized that OTs just didn't do it. So then I just moved my whole practice to be solely on sexuality for people with disability, chronic illness and cancer, just to try and fill that gap in the system. So I now see people uh, who are registered with the NDIS. So that's people under 65 with permanent and significant disability. That's the wording that they Mm -hmm. use. So impacts your daily function and lifestyle and is not going to go away. Um, But it's really variable, like disability and sex are so huge and broad terms. (laughs) I have, you know, I see people with PTSD, autism, brain injury, intellectual disability, cerebral palsy, and then sexuality. It's things like helping people connect with others in a social way to build friendships and relationships, understanding their own body's function, and sometimes helping people access sex workers. So it's very broad. You've kind of skipped ahead to uh, the next question I was going to ask um, serendipitously, actually, because like I kind of feel that um, when we say disability, um, it's kind of like, well, what are we talking about? Like it's one word for a very complicated thing and a lot of different people that are very, very different in how they are and what they need. Like what what the fuck, what does disability even mean? And um, who's the best person to attack that one? It's a pretty big question. Tess. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Melina. Uh, uh, we'll, I see we'll how this both, is going to go. We'll, we'll both take it. <laughs> you yeah. you want to go? <laughs> well, I, I, like from a clinical perspective, so the like I, I see people with a very broad range of clinical conditions, diagnoses, and let's just say um, incidences, like mm. such as trauma, it could be physical or psychological. And so there's brain function and body function. And I guess I see um, disability as something that impacts the way I I call it standard human function because there is no normal, (laughs) but I say like something that impacts a standard standard brain function or standard Mm. physical function that interferes with daily life. That's that's just my OT. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Melina? I've got nothing really to add to that. That is. Yeah, I mean, we all we all have a disability to some extent, but it's more severe for other people. So sometimes, you know, people can't do sexual things that may not have a standard disability. You know what I mean? So where do you draw the line that this is disability and sexuality? It's just, it's for me, it's just standard. <laughs> Um, just working yeah. out how to get what you need, right? Yeah, that's it. It kind of blew my mind when I started to meet people um, who had stuff like chronic fatigue and things like that. Yeah. Um, that that was like pretty much invisible. Like you'd never know unless you asked them because they were doing so well to appear as though they exactly. were functioning. But it was just yeah. so hard, and that stuff affects your sex life too in huge ways in your relationships, 
So it's not always the stuff we can see, right? Yeah. And you've really got people people with autism that um, can walk around, etc. that don't know mm-hmm. how to be close and intimate with somebody. That's a, that's a massive struggle. But people don't see that unless they open up about it and talk about it. You know, so it's not a visual thing. There is that thing that I'm not a huge fan of with the NDIS in the sense that it has to be permanent. Yes. You know ah, what I mean? That, I word, that use of the word permanent kind of gripes me a bit because yeah. think about... You know, so I'm I have cancer and I am temporarily disabled mm. from my treatments and you know, I've I've been unable to walk for for periods of time. I have parts of my body, well, that aren't there anymore. Mm. And you know, like it's just been it's just been this thing, but because I have my hair back from chemo, yes. it's the invisible condition. And oh my so God. Yeah. I, I really I I I definitely see people outside of the NDIS because I see it doesn't have to be permanent for it to no, be legitimate. It's right? an entire thing, yeah. yeah. And let's just clarify yeah. too for people who may not be in Australia, the NDIS stands for National Disability Insurance Scheme and it's how people in Australia um, hopefully get funding from the government so that they can access the support services they need. Well, I say hopefully uh, because this, we've got a bit to say around that <laughs> when it comes to people accessing <laughs> sex work services. But, yeah, when we say NDIS, it's basically the, the government body that tries or possibly doesn't try very hard to help people with disability stuff. Well, when it comes to sex sex services, they don't want to have a bar of it. So because, yeah, they don't want to be responsible because you need to prove you're of sound mind to be able to make that decision. So they don't want to be responsible for anything that happens to you, but you're able to They also just don't like hookers. Yeah, totally. Um, Oh, they don't like me. I can tell you that. Oh, I bet they, they don't. They're right up in their face because I've been and trying I to love do it. It just pisses me off. <laughs> there have been some court cases recently where people have tried to take the NDIS to court to say, mm-hmm. look, I need to get laid. It's a really important um, need that I have. And as a person who's struggling with a disability, this is the best way for me to get that need met. And they're like, yeah. fuck off. Yeah. Well, this is when they call me. That's my job. Yeah. I. You know what? I wish I knew you yeah. two years ago. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go there. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> so it kind of sounds like both of you have, um, like you both have experience in this area but in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of like you're both servicing different area, different sort of you're both servicing the same people with different services. So, like, Tess, you're helping people to, to sort of have the sex they want, but you're not actually giving them the sex they want? Correct. And, Melina, you're giving people the sex they want, like, fucking high five to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to anyway, doing my utmost. Would you say that um, there are particular types of struggles that um, that pop up more often with your clients for both of you in terms of you've mentioned um, autism for starters, in terms of relating to people and stuff like that. Is there, are there any particular ones that, that tend to pop up? It's, um, I'm kind of asking of, you to generalise. Yeah, you know what? A lot of people with disabilities will contact me and expect me to be able to do a full service and I can mm. see why they're contacting me but then they don't think about the logistics of that. Like... I can't get on top of somebody that can't mobilise themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, and that's heartbreaking because that's what I would like to do. But right. in reality, 
I can't do that. So I need someone who's, or people that are more able-bodied who want that service, then I can do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I've had a lot of people, carers, etc., contact me for their clients and I'm like, oh look, I'm really sorry, but I can refer you to somebody else. I can understand why this happens because imagine if you're struggling with something, of course you want to go hang out with the person that's more likely to get you, right? Yeah, exactly. And because I have always lived in a mainstream environment, I don't see myself so much as having a disability, so I don't think that way. And so therefore I would really love to help those people out, but I can't. So it's, yeah, it's frustrating for me and for them. So it's kind of like finding a good provider-client fit in terms of what the, what they want and what you can offer, and that will go for any sex worker, right? You really need to make sure that that sex worker can give you the things that you need and you need to be able to actually pinpoint the things you need and ask for them, right? I had a client once who wanted me that I was able to refer him on to somebody else, but then I got in so much shit from his support workers for allowing him to have that service and organising it for him. And, uh, yeah, it was just heartbreaking. But I I, made sure, I sat there outside the room and made sure the service went ahead. And he was the happiest he'd been in, like, 30 years. And he was, oh, 50-something, I would say, and able to make his own decision, just couldn't communicate. So, therefore, I got in so much trouble. But I'm happy and I would do it again in a heartbeat. You know, it's just... You know, it's, it's a logical, it's really basic human right, you know, that he deserved, right. that he paid for. So he didn't pay me. I had nothing to do with it. I just made sure it went ahead and I got in so much crap for it. I'm like, well, he's able to make his own decisions. I know this is like Disability 101, um, but I'm, I'm putting it out there for people who are listening. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, uh, it's my understanding that folks often assume that people with like really tricky disability stuff um, just don't need sex and mm. and don't want to get laid and shouldn't be allowed to get laid? What do you reckon, Des? <laughs> I think we're both like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, that's just, yeah, it makes my head explode, yeah. honestly. You, you could see the if, if you're listeners, there are flames coming out of my oh, ears. Oh, no, right. I can see I'm them. not looking at the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, that ableism, like, this is why I um, have particularly targeted the like the demographic of people with chronic illness and disability mm-hmm. is because uh, and I, I just couldn't believe it. But when I was studying um, health conditions and th- you know and just like we yeah. we would have people lived experiences of like hey I've had a stroke this is my wheelchair this is how the OT helped me you know like that's our learning and so many people would ask like I. God, I just my jaw hit the floor. Like, do you have a libido? Like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, right? I constantly like, get the, that. They would always respond with, "Do you?" Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, why would you not? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I just, um, I think it's this. I feel like times are changing, and I feel like people are becoming a little more aware that, um, regardless of how your body, what, like how you move about in the environments and spaces around you you are a sexual being like this is starting to slowly come about but it's it's very poor in the disability sector so poor that as you have just been discussing when a client 
wants to access sexual education, which is I am a sexual educator through the NDIS as an OT. So they want to access like how do I how do I go dating? Can I see a sex worker? They often get shut down. Not all the time though. There are planned providers out there though who are so supportive. And they're like, yes, we want this person to access their sexuality and sexual health and get relationships. And yes, we want this person to access a sex worker. I've got a few clients right now who their their goal is to see a sex worker. I'm helping them with this goal. And the team uh, have brought me on and they are so excited to have me on the team because they know that this is going to help with his quality of life and her quality of life and everyone's quality of life, you know. So I think what I want to say is if there is anyone listening who is an NDIS participant and if you bring up sexual health and access to understanding your sexuality and sexual satisfaction and you get shut down, you can shop around and you can find a different provider who will see you as a human being because sexuality, access to sexuality is a human right. I second that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting so angry just then. (laughs) (laughs) It's so common when we get shut down around sex that we feel like it's our fault and we feel ashamed that we should never have asked. And I can only imagine it only takes a couple of times for someone to get shut down around sex before they just go, well, clearly I'm not allowed to have these feelings. Like I'm not allowed to be a sexual person. Like it's not cool, but it's always cool. It's always cool to have sexual feelings. Like it's part of being human, right? Yeah. Yeah. Keeps me in a job. (laughs) And Georgia, you asked a question, sorry, it was something along the lines of, you know, what are, what are some things that, uh, you see. I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, I mean, we don't want to generalise, but in terms of, you know, who, who do you, what, what kind of situations pop up for you? What kind of people do you help? And because I think if we haven't had those experiences, it's really hard for us to imagine. We just go, dude in wheelchair. And then that's all <laughs> yes. we come up with. But, but there's a lot of other <laughs> stuff. The, the photo in the disability dating sites of the person in the wheelchair yes. holding hands with the hot blonde standing next to them. It's like, oh. <laughs> but you know what? You know what people You know what people think, though? Oh, that woman, the hot blonde is so brave for going with that person. Oh, God. How cool brave. are they? How like, cool are wow. they? You know, and I, I, I'll, oh. get, I'll get personal for a minute. I had a support worker who was a stripper. And so fake everything gorgeous and so made me look good which awesome but Mm -hmm. the amount of looks she got when she was with me of like oh my god you're you're doing such an amazing job looking after her it must be so unbearable hanging out with that person like fuck's sake it's like oh shut up (laughs) you know just shut up you know so um even when I'm with my partner at the moment oh people will say to him oh how long have you been working for her I haven't. I'm with her. I work with her. We fuck all day. I'm like, it's, you know, what else do you want to know? (laughs) It's just, yeah. Oh, you know what he should say? Oh, she won't have me. She just uses me for sex. You know what? (laughs) You met him, doesn't he? He does say that. Yeah. (laughs) He does. Yes. He does. If, if I ever man- manage to meet both of you, I'll turn to you while you're both there and say, you're such a good person for hanging out with this guy. Like, <laughs> you're such a nice. you're I'm so proud of you. Yeah, role model that shit. Yeah. 
I, I do just want to quickly share some of the situations that I come across mm, in, so in my job. So I'm I'm at the other end, right? So Melina's is offering um, the actual, let's say, the sexual the hands-on interaction or the part. explicit yeah. stuff because you do online content too, right, Melina? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. So I my clients come to me most of the time. It's around things like uh, like it's all based around the zero education, the zero knowledge, no one, I mean, like, you know how we have no sex ed if you're growing up right. and you have a disability, you're just assumed as that, that you're non-sexual, so you're not given any education at all. So so you don't even get the condom on the banana in seven Yeah, I agree. No, agreed. don't yeah. even get the condom on the banana. You know what, Tess, I can't even do that. So I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need two hands to be able to do that, you know? But that's literally what sex ed is. It's knowing how to roll a condom on a banana. That's yeah. all there is to it. I'm fucked yeah. then. I'm, there you I'm go, out. your podcast's finished. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so sorry about all the sarcasm. So, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> no, no, this is good. I, I but I have cl- I have clients who are in really vulnerable situations because they don't understand how relationships work. They don't understand this is in particular my clients with intellectual disability. They appropriateness and not appropriate, you know, um, in relation to age, public versus private. When people approach them for things, is that wrong? Why is that wrong? You know, so I have I have a lot of clients who have had some really awful things happen to them because there was a lack of education, because right at the start they weren't seen as sexual beings. And this has been as a consequence awful awful circumstances for them we need to practice that stuff we need a chance to practice talking to people and setting our boundaries and working out what we do and don't like yeah yeah so I do a lot of education you know of like what sex is what genitals look like how bodies function and I do you know for some people clients that might be particularly behavioral I help them understand that they can self-pleasure and that's okay and how to do that privately because they live in supported living spaces. And so then they're able to have more satisfaction in their life personally and that helps with their behavioural problems, you know. And then there's the loneliness and people just want to make friends. Mm. And so I do a lot of social coaching for people with autism, how to have conversations, like the frameworks around that. If you do want to go on a date, how this works, we practice these things together. So it's relationship and connection building. And emotional boundaries. Yeah. And the people who I help who want to see a sex worker, sometimes it's about sex. Most of the time it's about connection, companionship and love. And they just want to be held. They just want to be treated like a person. They just want to be touched. Totally. Most of the time my clients are just like, I just want to lie there and be held. Mm. The sex, like the sex is a part of it. That would be nice. Mm. So I, I see it's a very broad range, but I think, um, you know, it's not sex, it's sexuality. It's a lot of things. It's not just orgasms. Yeah. Penetration. Sexuality is a huge contributor to quality of life. Sex is a part of that. Thanks for making that distinction. That's really important. And this is, you know, we often say when you see a sex worker, you're not paying for sex, you're paying for an experience. And that could include a whole load of different things. So I'm really glad that you highlighted that. Um, I guess this might be a question for Melina, maybe, but given the stuff that Tess just raised, that like maybe, uh, maybe folks aren't given so little sex education and it's so, it's so poorly done. Um, when you've had people come to you um, that may have dis- disability stuff going on. What's that conversation look like? What do you ask them, or what do you need to know from them to get an idea of what they might need from you, and whether you might be a good 
fit for that? Um, I just think it's similar to what test my ass. Like, what is their limitations physically, or what are they wanting mm -hmm. out of the experience? Um, what are they wanting to achieve? Um, what? Yep. You, you, you might even want to go deeper than that and say, what is missing in their life that they think I could fulfill? Um, yes. And that, that can get a little bit psychological and traumatic for some people, but sometimes when you bring it to the surface, they feel so much better afterwards. So we're often psychologists as well as sex workers. We're, you know, right. We wear a lot of things, um, as you would know. Well, that goes for disability and non-disability clients. What do you want out of the service? Mm, what's missing yeah. that you yeah. hope I can provide? Yeah, I love that. I um I kind of get the feeling that sometimes maybe sex workers who aren't familiar with disability feel like there might be secret things that they need to know. Yeah. The same way that they need to be or that need to be trained as care workers or something like that yeah. in order to do the job properly. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe they just need to ask the same questions. We were talking about the NDIS before and um, a lot of service providers at the moment are saying, yeah, we can take clients to brothels, but it's up to the sex workers then to get them on the bed. It's not our responsibility. It's not. What? Yeah. That's it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. But what if we don't know how to do that safely? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not trained on how to lift somebody because I can't do that. Right. And we, sh we shouldn't be expected to do that. That's no. like taking a kid to the store and saying he can get an ice cream and then right when they get to the handle and can't reach it, go, oh, but I'm not going to actually open the door of the, the freezer yeah. for you. Yeah, because that's, that's, but that's enabling and, and the providers don't want to be seen as enabling that behaviour in case something happens. It's all about workplace, work cover, money. It's not actually about the client. It makes, makes me really angry, so I'll try not to get too angry. But, uh, yeah, so it's, at the end of the day, unfortunately, if the client can't do most of the, the you know, the interaction themselves, then <laughs> it's just, yeah. So if they need a lot of physical assistance in the room, it's a barrier because the often the care workers are so uncomfortable with what's going down because they might be more phobic or super uncomfortable around sex that they can't yeah. they can't assist. So with me, if somebody my clients in a wheelchair, it has to be wheelchair sex, which is not <laughs> sometimes it can be easy, but it depends how much mobility the person's got. And what I've got, and if that matches, um, yeah. The type of wheelchair too. Yeah. Yeah, but the the most modern ones now are, are very helpful with that. You know, the reclining and the raising up and down helps. <laughs> Hoists are very good as well. So I've had the complete opposite experience, Melina, in the sense that, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely... Uh, I'm mortified. So yeah. what I do with my clients is is we as a because you know the goal is to see a sex worker, but there's so much to that goal. There's like financial management. We're going to save money to to afford the sex worker. We're going to talk about personal hygiene and how you can care about. It. We're going to talk about self pleasure so you can understand your body and say what you do and don't want. And then we're going to find the carer and support worker uh -huh. who can be there to hoist transfer you yeah. or to be there outside the room yeah. just you know so they you know so yeah. the needs that you have to enable this experience um so like for me 
part of my role is talking to the the caring team totally and finding the workers that are sex positive and understand that this is their human right and are happy to support them in the process and and then another part of that is communicating that with the sex worker yeah yes I'm in a wheelchair but I can transfer myself yeah which is good who's gonna gonna get me into the bed and then I can direct you from there and everything will be fine. And then my and then I'll call my carer and then they'll come and yeah. help me get back into the chair. And I guess I guess on the flip to that too, if somebody books me and I need assist that exact same assistance, me trying to find an assistant to that mm-hmm. is willing to help me do that is right. fucking ridiculous. I can't even imagine. It's hard enough wanting to see a sex worker. Imagine being a sex worker and trying to find a carer who's cool with that. Like you just blow my mind, mate. Yeah, it's it's really, really hard, really hard. <laughs> it's hard enough to find a regular person who will pat you on the back for doing sex work and I do think <laughs> it's a job to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So I've got when I make bookings, they have to be like 24, 48 hours in advance because I've got to have enough time to find someone and also have enough time yeah. for them to pull out for me to be able to find somebody else to take me there. So I've got the same situation as the clients if they have a disability. It's really good to point out too that if you're planning on seeing a sex worker and you don't, you're not coming with any particular disability needs, mm. that this, the worker you're seeing may have disability needs. There yeah. are tons of people in the sex industry that have either physical um, stuff going on that needs accommodation or mental health stuff mm. that needs accommodation, chronic pain, um, all sorts of stuff. Like we're all super diverse. So I guess having that conversation and knowing how to have it is a good skill. Even if it's not something you think you need for yourself, you might run into a worker who does need to chat about what, what sex positions they can be in, for example. And, and Melina, you mentioned or you, you touched on before as well, um, I'm paraphrasing and possibly bending these words. Yeah, go for it. But it's, you know, you were saying you you treat the client if they have a disability or not. They're living with chronic illness. If yeah. they're living with a differently able body, yeah. As you would an, any other client, you ask the questions. Yeah. What would you like? Tell me about your body. Do you have any limitations? Totally. And you do the same as the worker. And so, like, I just really wanted to... It doesn't have to be that scary if you can ask the questions. But I guess the skill for the client is being able to answer them. Absolutely. That can be. And so that's another thing that I help clients with is being able to voice their limitations and understand what they do and don't want. I think that's hard for anyone, though, regardless of disability, is knowing and (laughs) asking for what they want. And, you know, I've learned a lot from tests for myself for that. We all struggle even as workers for that. It, to, being a sex worker too, like doing that work has helped me a lot with having the conversation because it's 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 kind of because my clients don't know how to ask for what they want, it is on me to say, hey, what kind of experience were you looking for? What have you done in the past? Like what do you find hot? What were you hoping might happen? And so it's actually made me better at, at yep. being upfront about what I want. So it's been yep. good practice. Yeah. Man, a- again, you folks are just like answering all my questions before I ask them, which is great. It means that awesome. you <laughs> Melina, I would like to ask you, and this might be a stupid question, so I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> do you feel, and you, it sounds like you have opinions about, uh, feelings about, you know, sex work isn't right for everyone, which is totally, I'm totally on board with, but do you feel like sometimes sex work can be a rewarding 
career for folks who have needs around their level of ability? Like are there things that might make it a better job than being in an office or whatever? It's totally changed my life and if says things about my answers, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so if I hadn't have done this career, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'd be, to be honest. Okay. Um, and I've, I've had downs on in the career as well and wondered, should I quit? And so I don't know if you know, but I quit for about six months uh, mm. two years ago, had a huge retirement party, went, this is it, and then looked at one of, one of my co-workers and said, I don't know how to be myself. So, yeah, I lasted, you know, a short while and came back and all the better for it. So, yeah, I think, yeah, for me, it's changed my life for the better. And you said it had a big impact on your body image too, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Don't know what lockdown's done with that, but <laughs> we'll see what happens when I go back to face to face service. But so my next question is for Tess. Um like just I know we've actually talked about this a lot. You've covered so many good things that maybe one of your clients might need to think about if they're considering seeing a sex worker. Um what what are some things you'd you caution them to watch out for. So you've told them to have the discussion about um, what they need and the process and the practicalities, everything from saving up to emotional boundaries and to um, social skills and safer sex. But are there any any things you'd like to really flag, things that might be bumps in the road that people might want to keep in a special eye out for if they're thinking of seeing a sex worker for the first time? I think, oh, there's so much. <laughs> I think I've, one of the most important things is uh, be a pessimist around the NDIS and assume that it's not going to be covered and that it has to come out of your pocket. And this is, of course, for people in Australia who even have the chance of getting funding at all. If you call, if you're from the US, and I know a lot of our listeners are, oh, like good fucking luck. That's a whole other ball game, and I'm so sorry um, that yeah. that's the situation. Yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, I think uh, it, it honestly. The clients I have vary so much in cognitive function, um, physical function, emotional function. It's it is honestly so different for everyone. Um, I I do often spend a lot of time coaching people in how to see sex workers as professionals. I think because uh, a lot it's just porn, you know. Porn is people's education when they don't have access to. Right actual education you know and so there's a lot of misconceptions around how how you actually do connect and how you talk to people and how it goes so for me yeah it's a lot of like no well just like you're treating me like a professional and I will leave if you disrespect me the Mm -hmm. sex worker will do the exact same thing they will leave if you disrespect them yeah oh, like they're a profession this is hard work you know so there's a lot of I just want to say to anyone listening who just treat, you know, everyone deserves respect, regardless of everything. You know, if you're a human, you deserve respect. Um, and so treating everyone with compassion and kindness and curiosity is just the number one way to go. Mm. And that way you'll have a better communication experience and then you're more likely to get what you want. Kindness and, and curiosity. Understanding. Yeah, curiosity, man. No expectation. Leave your expectations at the door and just come with curiousness and You'll be pleasantly surprised. I think also, again, it's around understanding your own body. Uh, also triggers, like emotional triggers, behavioural triggers, word triggers, 
physical triggers for things like pain, spasms, mm, patterns yeah. in pleasure. You know, you people need to get to know their body first so then someone else can enjoy it, you know. So then you can say, all right, I can't be in this position. Pop a, pop a cushion between my knees. You know, just like really simple things that can help you actually have a wonderful, fulfilling time. And the only way to do that is through accessing self-knowledge and through that that includes things like touch and I understand that there are people who cannot offer themselves self-pleasure um say manually with their hands and arms and but there are some incredible self-pleasure aids coming out now for people that don't have upper limb function I'm name dropping because it's the only company in the world um, designed by a beautifully kinky gay guy with cerebral palsy in Canada. It's called Handy, H-A-N-D-I. It's really cool. Yeah, I was a co- consultation. Um, I was a consult for like so, for one of their toys and it, it's got chin controls. It's, you know, it's one piece, easily cleanable. You don't have to put bits and bobs together. So there are ways for you to self-explore your arousal processes, your pleasure, how your body functions in pleasure. And also to understand that being hard or wet doesn't, it's, that's not the only way it works. And if you don't experience bodily functions the way people do in porn or other forms of media, you can still have orgasms and you can still have sex. There are, there are ways, but the only way to get that is to communicate it. I got really ranty just then. I'm sorry. So good. No, so good. And we often think of sex as, you know, hetero, PIV, Dude comes, but there's so much more to it. And if you can just keep an open mind about what sex is, it means there are many more possibilities. So I'm really glad that you raised that. Yeah, even, um, you know, so people with, uh, like I, I know a gentleman with spinal cord injury and the line of injury on his chest is so orgasmic. So just stroking a finger across his lower neck would be full body orgasms, you know, um, and, but he had to learn that. Uh, and then now he knows that that's his sex and he's so satisfied, I'm but try- it's about discovery and curiosity. I'm trying really hard not to bring up the sex scene in um, sex education, but I can't cause we don't have time, but it was really hot. It was good. <laughs> Melina, there's something I'd like to ask you as well. Yeah. So say a sex worker comes to you and says, oh, I've been approached by a client who has um, a physical disability or a, um, you know, a cognitive disability or some sort of sort of thing that um, that I haven't seen before and I'm kind of freaked out and I don't know whether I should even take that client. Like what do I do and where do I start? What would what advice would you give them? Firstly, I'd be honoured that I would say go and see Tess. Um, but, <laughs> but obviously they can't give me the personal information that they need to give me. For me to be able to give them sound advice, but all I would say is... Specific. Ask, yeah, I would say ask them what their limitations are, ask their carers or their workers if they can't communicate that. Um, mm-hmm. Just ask the question. Rather rather than being drawn by it, t- take it and grab it by the balls and just go <laughs> for it. You know, and you're not going to know unless, yeah, you're not going to know unless you try. And as, as workers, we've always got the right to deny a client, but you've got to have yes. a valid reason to do that. So if you, don't, don't. Got, yeah, if you've got all the information that you need and that you've gathered and you still can't do it, that's cool. That's cool. I have no, no judgment on that. 
but at least you've given it a go, you know. It kind of sounds like there's no harm in having the conversation and throwing no. yourself in and being like, okay, this is a new thing, but that's okay. It's a new yeah. thing for you too. And then if you hit the point where you realise you're not a good provider fit for them, yeah. it's totally okay to say that too, right? Totally, yeah. A lot better than just turning down the booking immediately yeah. because it's something you're unfamiliar with. Because you're learning more about yourself as a worker and how you can make yourself a better worker in that way as well. So, you know, and you might discover something about yourself that you didn't know that you could actually... Right deal with someone's situation that you thought you couldn't. Me, me, pick me. I want to say something. All right, Go all right. Protest, <laughs> go. If, if for, for people who are sex workers and maybe you're wanting to become more accessible or you're not sure, like, how to approach this, you can also have on your website things like, please specify if you use a yeah. mobility aid. If you need assistance like with transfers, you must bring your own support person. Yes, yes. Um, even just that in itself so people understand that they can be really open and upfront yeah. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'll find my carer or support worker or family member and they can help me transfer mm-hmm. if needed. And, and I do need to just acknowledge that we have been referring to people with differently abled bodies mm. in a wheelchair capacity a lot throughout yeah, this Yeah, I did podcast. notice that. Yeah, and I guess that's just because, um, you know, f- with with different functional needs, there can be an idea of, you know, a lot more demand and a lot more to, to think about. But, you know, disability mm. is very broad and diverse and a lot of the time you won't even notice unless you ask. So I guess I also just want to say you can be in- inclusive. It's so um, broad, so broad, yeah. Yeah. It could yeah. be someone coming in going, I have really full-on trauma stuff that I'm working with yeah. with my professionals, but yeah. I also want to have sex. And then the conversation is going to be different, right? It's not going to be, well, how do we lift you into bed? It's going to be, well, what do we do if you need to stop? How do we set good boundaries? Yeah. What are your triggers? What do you need to feel comfortable totally. and safe? Yeah. How can I care for you? How can I identify you going into a trauma state? How can I help you come out of that, you know? So you're, you're right, like disability is so diverse. And I think going on what you said, Tess, is like the more we as workers can be transparent, the more clients are going to be transparent. So yeah. and the safer it is for everybody. Oh, thanks so much for sharing. I know we've only scratched the surface of what both of you do and what you've experienced and what you've learned, and I'm really sorry that this is such a short podcast. Um, <laughs> I imagine there might be some people that would like to um, find out more about, about what both of you do. Um, Melina, would you tell us a bit more about where listeners can find you if they'd like to learn about your um, services, your content? Because I know yeah. you do sexy stuff online too. Oh, I do too much. It's ridiculous. I'm too old. Um, ms, msmelina.com, so msmelina.com. Lovely. And you're on Twitter too. I'm, I'm fucking everywhere. It's ridiculous. I'm like a really <laughs> bad of the internet, you know. <laughs> Thank you. And what about you, Tess? If someone wants to get in touch, talk about the work that you do or ask for help um, in a professional capacity. Yeah, um, my OT practice is private, so you can find me at connectabletherapies.com. And I am not fucking everywhere. It's just that website. <laughs> <laughs> just You're just fucking on the website? You're not. There's no yeah. fucking on the website. It's, no, it's, no, it's an no. OT website. There is no explicit yeah. content. But they will yeah. recommend really great lube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, right. man, I could talk about lubricants for uh, hours. You've yeah. saved, I'll tell you what, you've saved my life just recently. So <laughs> I'm like, Bunch of lube nerds. <laughs> I also uh, hear that you just um, put out a book, Tess. I did. Number one on Amazon, may I just say. 
Right. Let's let's talk about that briefly. What what's it about? <laughs> it's um it's for people who are undergoing or have undergone cancer treatments and mm-hmm. how to recover sexuality um by themselves or with a, with a a partner um just because just like with disability how no one addresses sex mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing with cancer. cancer. <laughs> Speaking from someone who is on cancer treatments, the sexual impacts are devastating and everyone, it just doesn't get spoken about. And I, and I work in sexual rehabilitation, so I'm like, I can help you. Um, and it really it really is helping. Like it's really helping people. So yeah. it's it's on Amazon. It's called A Better Normal. What is it? Oh, my God, Georgie, I forgot <laughs> a, the title. Your better... Guide to Rediscovering Intimacy After Cancer. <laughs> uh-huh. A Better Normal, Your Guide to Rediscovering Intimacy After Cancer, available where yeah. all good books are sold. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Georgie. How is that? And, and on that Kindle as well. <laughs> and on Kindle as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you folks cracked me up. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your wisdom Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks, Georgie. Thanks, Melina. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you want to become a real escort expert, head on over to the website, satisfactionproject.com. You can also find me on Twitter. The handle is at allaboutescorts. See you next time.